yesterday. Now's the time for us to say Happy New Year, Happy New Year. to our Nate Stairwells movie podcast. I'm joined as always by Nia. Hi, I'm Neve. Thought you were gonna do this whole bit. I didn't know the I didn't know you'd actually done it, so I was gonna read the the poem that starts off around the long fire because this time we're joined by M. Hi. I've been on this podcast twice. I, I am know. your I am your most recurrent guest. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna do a bit where I read the the poem that starts off around the long fire. 
but uh, it was not immediately in front of my face when I started going, and so I just discarded the bit. <laughs> Neve just has it memorized. Yeah, I did pull it up though. Yeah, I pre- you did your part, and I just you, you told me the bit, but you didn't tell me that you were going to do it at first, and so in my head I was writing like an additional two lines to work in you. <laughs> That's very nice of you and totally unnecessary. <laughs> um, M, why are you here? <laughs> you, well, I told Eve <laughs> yesterday so- we didn't record last week and I'd uh-huh. like to do something. We could just sit and goof off about movies for an hour or whatever, put it in the long fire feed. And then that all got fucked up because you communicated to me badly whether things were going to happen or not. You as a unit here, the two of you. Um, Yeah. And then literally half an hour ago, Autumn, you were like, did you still want to do something? And I was just sitting down to watch the movie and I was like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, (laughs) I mean, it it was literally that like you were going to come over and I was like, oh, I'm not going to record. So I'm not going to like message you again and be like, hey, do you still want to record or something? Uh Because I felt like the last time we left off was like, eh, we probably won't do it. Yes, that was and my then, that was my understanding of the situation. Yeah. And then I was literally doing dishes and we were talking about like, do we want to watch a movie or do we want to record? And I was like, well, maybe we could see if M wants to record. So that's literally the like yeah. <laughs> a minute after I said that, you got message, basically. Yes. I was I was exactly ten minutes in the slumber party massacre, uh, which I will watch tomorrow, I guess. Not as good as the second one, which is weird because I thought the second one was kind of mid, but I have not in retrospect, the second one's funny. Okay. I like the second one. It's kind of a musical, kind of, a little bit. I, I love musicals. Normally, what we do on this podcast is we um, kind of go through all the movies we watched in the last couple weeks and... Um, Fuck, I don't have do four hours. Make... I don't have four hours. Yeah, you don't have four hours. I... We haven't updated the spreadsheet. There's like four different things that I started watching and then stopped because I've had a bad mental health week. (laughs) So we can, you and me, Nia, we can do that segment some other time. We watched His Motorbike, Her Island. We can make this a His Motorbike, Her Island episode some other time. Maybe right now with M. But for right to start the episode, we have some lists that we wrote because we love lists. I do love yeah. lists. And um we'll just read we'll go through these lists and then we will uh you know if there's still conversation to have, we'll have it. But or or we'll just end the podcast there. <laughs> yeah. But these are the fifteen best movies that each of us watched in the year twenty twenty two for the first time. Um I do have a an honorable mention before we actually get into the list. Well then I'll have you go first. Okay. Um, yeah, so well, you want to just do like you, M, me, you, M, me, and we'll just go around. M, yours is unranked. Mine uh, is. Actually, is like, I'm going to be giving you mine in chronological order of through my year. Okay. Okay. So yours is in chronological order. Mine was ranked at one time, and then I've shuffled things around at the last minute and did not bother to go and rank them. So, like, think of mine as a mostly unranked list. Um, My, mine's ranked, but I ranked it like two weeks ago. You're right. So you start first but with your honorable mention. My honorable mention, because it would not actually make the list, but was Late Consequence, which in terms of like 
those kind of skinamaxy like softcore porno that was made for TV uh-huh. kind of stuff that I watched this year. It was the best. And none of those are going to like place on this list, but I wanted to shout one out because it was like a an undercurrent throughout this year. Yeah. So, and Late Consequence is good and like it's it's fun. It it's delightful to watch a movie that's just about like hey, wouldn't it be great to be a hot milf and have like a threesome and then go back to your family and like it doesn't destroy your life which I would just love feels that. rare for <laughs> <laughs> um like it was so like perfectly targeted at like just a, a bored housewife watching skinamax uh i thought it was fantastic uh, also billy zane's in it and he's hot so yeah that's the other big plus m uh okay uh my first movie is psychomania which is the 1973 British folk horror film by Don Sharp about uh, some rural British motorcycle gang uh, whose leader's mom is like a pagan witch lady. And uh, he accidentally learns from her how to make them all immortal. And they go on a uh, immortal murder spree across the countryside. Uh, It's really fucking good. It's one of those um, that folk horror box set came out late last year. Um, Mm -hmm. with the really good, really extensive documentary that would make this list if I hadn't watched it last year. Um, do you not remember what's the name of that documentary? Does anyone know off the top of their head? Folk horror documentary. No, I don't want to shout out because I think it's streaming on Arrow or Shutter. I don't remember which, uh, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror. It's like three hours long. It's incredible. It'll give you like 8,000 movies to put on your to watch list. And we watch Psychomania. Hell yeah. And I thought it was sick. It, it, uh, I've not like gone super deep uh, on that the stuff from there, but uh, of some of the ones I watched, it's one of the best ones. Like it a lot. Okay. Yeah. It has the thing where all the stunts are really crappy, but you know everyone almost died every time. It's like that's that's so <laughs> <70 Yeah>. cinema. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So my first movie on the list, I had like three different movies in this 15 spot at one point because I wanted to just pick the best of the like early last year. I spent so much fucking time just watching forties Hollywood movies and I just wanted forties and fifties Hollywood movies. And so I just wanted to like pick something that would just represent all of noir autumn. Um, because a lot of, a lot of the shit that I watched is not like, top 15 worthy necessarily but it would have felt untrue to not have that in there so the one I finally landed on was the one that I actually watched like two weeks ago Touch of Evil by Orson Welles I think this might Uh, be my favorite Welles it's fucking great Uh, my my top 20 that because I I did every movie I saw this year in my top 20 I've got Magnificent Amerson's Lady from Shanghai and Touch of Evil in here and that's like semi unranked but like Man, Orson Welles, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't remember if I talked about Touch of Evil on the last episode, but um, I think you did. I think yeah. I did. So I'm not gonna really re rehash a lot of that discussion. I just um, it's it's maybe the best looking Orson Welles movie. Yeah, I bought know? I bought the uh, 4K release, and it's not here yet. It's taking its sweet time getting here. It's a real shame. I, I was thinking about it. I was like, I was really thinking about it this week. Um, but yeah, that's me for 15. Nia? Okay. Uh, my number 15 is Mikey and Nikki. Fuck, Fuck yeah. yeah. I forgot you watched that the first time this year. <laughs> yeah. Don't expect to like them. 
The movie's fucking good. I expect to like those dudes, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I mean, I don't have a ton to say. Like, we talked about it, and also there's an entire repertory screenings about it. Yeah. Do you just want to watch two shitty dudes be shitty at each other for two hours? I have a great movie for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, sometimes I do. You know, I do. <laughs> uh, M. Uh, my next film, also from 1973, is Robin Hardy's The Wicker Man. Um, oh, yeah. Which I saw around the same time I saw Psychomania. The Wicker Man might be one of the greatest films. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's about a shitty cop who decides to, like, bludgeon his way, like, ideologically into a bunch of pagans who are just trying to live on their island and not think about God or Christian society. And it's it's good and funny and like lighthearted in its horror. I just watched the remake today and it was like one of the worst movies I've seen in years. I was so mad the entire fucking time. Uh, the Wicker a Man's Cage great. one, right? Yes. The Wicker yeah. Man is incredible. Um, if you've not seen it, I didn't see it for years because I was like, I know, I know what it is and whatever. I don't need to watch that. It was just so good. <laughs> I, um, I had a thing recently where you watched this early in the year. And I was like, that sounds really good. I'm going to put that on my watch list on Letterboxd so I don't forget it. Uh, and then about a month ago, it came up on a different podcast that I listened to. And I was like, that sounds really good. I need to put that on my... Oh, it's already there. I... <laughs> um, the thing about the Nicolas Cage remake mm -hmm. is if you are like ever considering watching it, one, if you haven't watched the original, just watch the original. It's just really like good. stop yourself and watch the original. Yes. Um, if you have watched the original and you're thinking about watching the Nicolas Cage one, just go to to YouTube and find the B scene and just watch the B scene and then you'll get it. The you're like, the, okay, this is what it is. The thing the B scene does not impress upon you is that it's like almost two hours of just like rampant regressive misogyny as a film. Yeah. It's just mm. miserable. Yeah. So you'll just see the the good part of it, and you'll be like, okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, next on my list, um, another sort of like representing a like large swath of things. Um, I wanted to have because I watched so many Mike movies this year, and I hadn't seen any Mike before. Um, and so I just picked the best one and put it in here. Audition. Um. Which I was kind of surprised you were making a face at me. I mean, well, at first I made a face because it's not my favorite Mike, but then I thought about it for one more second and I was like, no, this makes sense as the one that you would like a lot. I, I mean, <laughs> you don't have to sound so condescending about it. <laughs> no, I just mean that like there's like specific things in there that I think appeal to you. I would like you, to see you just still again, once again. <laughs> <laughs> With your plebeian taste. <laughs> no. I just... <laughs> I'll watch Katakuri's next year. Don't worry I don't, about I don't it. I like Katakuri's make your list. Though. I, I think no, you're going to just like yeah, Audition more than I do. I think Audition's just going to be your favorite one. I just, I, man, Audition's fucking good, dude. I, I can't believe I let people sell me that movie on like, oh, it's so gross and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's like kind of gross. Yeah. I don't remember it's being like, that gross at all. I remember watching it thinking like it had been pit. I've not seen it since like 2000, whatever, mm -hmm. like it just hit DVD in like the West. Um, mm -hmm. And um, it had been pitched like this is the most fucked up thing you've ever seen. And I was like, not really. It's kind of boring. <laughs> the, the, the thing is that there's like the eye thing. And that is like legit, like a trigger for a lot of people. 
And so they're like, oh, I stuff. And that's the grossest movie I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, I watched it. I'm like, ah, oh, the I stuff is pretty gross. And then there's like a comedy foot severing two seconds later. Yeah. Um, have you watched like, Fulci Zombie? No. Oh, that has a good eye bit in it. Love okay. It. Real good. Um, Fulci, uh, a director that like, the last two times that I've been like boredly browsing Criterion Channel and Arrow, like I gotta, I gotta watch some of these. These look kind of good. I, I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet, but I'm like, huh. He's one of the rare directors that shows up on both of these streaming apps. <laughs> I feel like uh, Unshen Andalu like got me with the eye thing, and then after that, just like no movie gets me with eye things. I think mm. the only one other than Unshen Andalu that gets me is the. Uh... The bit in Kill Bill Volume 2 where she steps in the eye because you can see the lens like separate from the eyeball, like between her toes. Ugh. It's just <laughs> gross. It's like just it's too. I mean, they they probably just grabbed like a real eye, like Unchained Andalou, right? You can get eyes. It's not that hard to get hold of. Um yeah. <laughs> I'm just I know saying a you guy. can get eyes. <laughs> not, not a human eyes, eye, but like eyes. Yeah, you yeah. can get eyes. Yeah. Um I the the eye bit is the only part of Unchen Andalou that I've seen. I have Whoa, not really? It's not, it's really short. You could just watch it on YouTube yeah. tonight. <laughs> I no, I had a teacher once be like, let's watch the eye bit in class and nothing else. <laughs> Why not just watch the whole movie in class? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Cause yeah, isn't it like 20 minutes? Something like it's short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I had, uh, multiple movies in this, well, two other movies in the slot that this movie pushed out. I'm going to give them a quick shout out because I think recency bias is having an effect here. Uh, so the other ones were, uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch and The Hidden. Man, Um, I fucking love both those movies. Yeah. Wait, no, I haven't Uh, seen The Hidden. Have I? No. The Hidden's good. It's, uh, the, the comic Lachlan, like, body snatcher movie basically i've not seen that i was mistaking it for something it's else. really fun i highly recommend it the hidden and the keep keep running together in my head because they're drastically were... different movies. i know though. but you talked about them on the same episode of stairwells and so they will just and they're both the... like the something and n- neither of them are like super yeah like you know giving you a good idea of what the movie is right yeah um anyway actual number 14 is the american friend yeah vim vendors i mean He's going to come back <laughs> on this list, but, um, yeah. Um, yeah. The American friend is so fucking good, dude. The thing is, I just love Bruno Gantz. I love Bruno Gantz. Yeah. He's so good. That's my, that might be my favorite role of his. And I've seen Nosferatu like 40 times. <laughs> that's, that's overstating it. I've seen Nosferatu like 10 times, which is still a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's still really good in Wings of Desire. Yeah. My brain got caught on the, the yeah. uh, German title for a second. But Yeah. I just started to stutter in there. <laughs> I knew how to pronounce that, and then I just stuttered. My, my brain like did a mix of it, and I wanted to say Wings over Berlin, and I'm like, I know it's not that. Nora anyway. said the same thing to me last week. Yeah. Nora was like, what's that movie you like, Wings of Berlin? <laughs> um, but yeah, he's really good in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, M. Uh, my next movie is Cure, which I talked about on this fucking podcast, so Fuck there's no reason yes. to go over it. But Cure's really good. <laughs> Cure's really fucking good. Yeah. Might show up on another list. Who knows? Who could say? Well, it's not <laughs> I wonder who that is. <laughs> <laughs> not eligible. 
Um, my next movie, um, is Jigoku. Um, this is a, I mentioned it on the podcast. It's a like sixties Japanese horror movie. I watched, um, earlier this fall, I want to say, um, like recently, but not that recently. Um, it's very like special effects, heavy, very, um, contemplative, very, um, very weird too it's like let's just take like three minutes let's like let's take two minutes to have the shot where nothing happens and really like ponder the the mysteries of human life and then let's just like 20 minutes later there's a big sequence of like dozens of babies floating down the river of the dead (laughs) you know like um it's a pretty cool fucking movie it's kind of hard to like tell people like what that movie is i just think it's one of the coolest like things that i put into my eyeballs for 90 minutes this year you know <laughs> yeah it's got good aesthetics which good we as- love here good aesthetics and also like there's stuff to think about you know which is the same reason i put audition so high it's like ah it looks really good and there's stuff to think about but you don't have to think about it that hard yeah <laughs> uh my number 13 yeah uh so my number 13 is nanami the inferno first love um, I was kind of having like a big, vague understanding of what this movie was. Uh, I was kind of impressed with what it actually was. Um, some of this is also the fact that I love Terry Yamashuji and he was the writer for this. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was very interesting seeing his writing, but with a, a very different director who still had some like space for weird more like dreamlike imagery, but was overall far more like realistic in in his portrayal of scenes. Um, whereas I think Terry Yamashuji's films are just like completely unconcerned with presenting reality mm-hmm. in like a, a cinematic sense of what reality is. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It's, it's definitely of the ones that I've, I think have come up so far. It's the one that I'm the most like cautious for people to watch it because it, it does like very heavily deal with like child sexual abuse and things in mm-hmm. a way that is, uh, I could see being very hard for people to sit through, but yeah. M. Uh, my next film is the 1981 John Borman classic fucking Excalibur. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Uh, just one of the most incredible times you can have at the cinema. What if some guys were always on their bullshit and it was funny and magical and depressing all at once. Um, they just don't, they literally do not make movies like this anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wish they did. The Excalibur did not make my list, but um, like, man, what a fucking movie. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, next on mine is, um, Shaowu. This is a, I watched it the first week I had a co-host account. So I want to say the summer <laughs> at some point, regardless, this is, uh, uh, it's sometimes known as pickpocket in the U S um, it's directed by Josh and It's his first film. Uh, it's from 1997 and it's kind of just two hours of this dirtbag guy being a dirtbag. It like, it's one of those movies that I watch and I'm like, I understand why other people like Bicycle Thieves so much, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bicycle Thieves, like, 
did not hit for me, but like this movie's it's kind of doing like the same. Like... Listen to yourself. <laughs> bicycle thieves. Well, you know, this is what other people like when they watch bicycle thieves. <laughs> it's one of the classics of cinema. It is Shao Wu is bicycle thieves with a little more neon. You know? <laughs> Right, that's what it takes. Maybe Neve was right to be condescending. <laughs> um, the thing about Bicycle Thieves is that it is like hyper realist. So I have not, but I, also like I think his name is Bruno. the The little boy, uh-huh. the little boy in that movie is fantastic. I have not, I love that little boy so much. <laughs> I have not seen bicycle thieves since i was like 16 to be fair but when i saw it it was the most like eating my vegetable movies eating my vegetables movie of my life you need you need to rewatch it especially now that like you do not like you have a kid but you have a child in your life and Uh just a a dad going around with his kid trying to find a bike and the dad's sad and the kid is just full bravado it's fucking great okay okay See, I thought about watching at some point this year. I thought about watching Shoeshine, his movie he did after this. That's just about two kids, I think. Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll. Maybe I should rewatch Bicycle Thieves. I just. I thought of a way to get in a dig at a random movie, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna do this <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> um. Anyway, pickpocket. Yeah, I was trying to remember what the actual movie was that you were talking. Yeah. About <laughs> pickpocket, but not the. More famous in the West pickpocket, the Bresson, yes. I want to say. Yeah. Might be might be Pasolini, I have no idea. One of one of one well, of I the many European right directors that I have not watched. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nia, what's your next one? Uh so my number twelve is Tilbury. It's yeah. a fucking movie. That was this year. Yeah. Jesus, yeah, it's been a long year. year. <laughs> yeah. That was that's in um, that full core set. That's how I watched it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gets props for being one of the only things that I think actually can be described as Lynchian. That's not like a an actual David Lynch movie. Uh-huh. Um, I always think about the when I think of that movie, I just think of the thing that you and M said about how it's like somehow racist against Americans or something. It's great. Yeah, it's it's very racist <laughs> against uh, British people and Americans. Um, in a way where like I don't think you can be racist against either of those. <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> But also, it, it is trying very hard. Yes. Uh, and I love it for it. <laughs> M. Uh, my next movie is Ongaku R Sound, which is a 2019 anime film by Kenji Uaisawa. Uh, we covered this for Your Uncle's Beach House. He basically like wrote an animated the whole thing as like a mostly one-man job. It's about these three delinquents in high school who... At, they steal the main guy steals a guitar and then just starts like learning to play it. And they form like this impromptu rock band um, it, because it's better than like drinking beers and playing Super Nintendo. Um, that sounds sick. It's really, really good. It has like a really expressive, like simple animation style. Um, it does not look like anime in 2019 when you say anime in 2019. Um, it's really funny and really heartwarming. It's just good. Um, you did that for Beach House, you said? Yeah, yeah. I'll have to check that out this week. That sounds really good. Yeah, a rare one of those two where uh, 
the the secret like smart move that I don't think a lot of people figured out with Beach House is to bring a movie. Yes. You're gonna get so much more of a conversation. <laughs> yeah, you can send thirteen episodes of like a twenty six episode anime. We uh-huh. we've but, said this. We were out we were out, yeah. like people bring movies, get more out of us because we'll spend two we'll spend an hour talking about the movie or we'll spend an hour summarizing a bunch of anime. You, your choice. It's your it's your dime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good episode, though. It's it's one of the because I listen to Beach House in the summer. And I'm like, ah, oh, maybe at some point we'd cover this anime on Ghost Divers or mm-hmm. something. But I still haven't gotten around to watching it. But that was one of the ones that I like listened to and I was like, oh, I should actually watch this. Yeah, yeah like I should really just good. like seek this out myself. <laughs> um, I guess it's back to me. Um, oh right, next on my list, I've got Quite On. It's fucking Quite On, dude. I talked about it last time. Once again, I keep thinking you're saying Qui-Gon every time you say this, and it throws me. <laughs> I meant to mention this on the last episode, and I, I forgot. The this the whole thing about the title of this movie is weird, because the Japanese word is Kaidon. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But this is like, the book it's adapting. Did you not say um, this on the episode, or was this in our group chat? This might. This was in our group chat, chat okay. because yeah. I meant because you said the the Qui Gon thing, and I was oh, like, right. oh right, I meant to say this on the episode just so that people were clear on why I was saying this word wrong a bunch. The movie is adapting a 1903 novel by an English speaker, uh, and so he titled it the way that you would romanize it back then. But um, since then, like Hepburn has come along, and so Qui Gon is not like a not a, not how you would say that now, uh, or how you would romanize that now. Um, but it would feel just as weird calling this movie Kaidon, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so like it, it just it the the movie just is Kaidon here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, um, is it me? It's you. The conversation. Fuck yeah, dude! Oh, that's movie a great film. rules. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen um, that one. I should. It's been a long time it. for me too. Yeah. Uh, definitely benefited too from being a movie that I watched like on my laptop with my my nice headphones on. Oh, like sick! That. Yeah, um, that's how I'm just... gonna watch that Lives of Others that way. That'll be fun too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I watched the Lives of Others in a fucking like classroom setting. Oh my that... god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like the Lives of Others, but I would like to revisit that someday where I don't have like a hundred like babbling college kids around me. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um. Yeah, I feel like with a lot of movies, I'll definitely pay attention to the audio mm-hmm. and the like the soundtracks a part of it and everything. Um, but usually the visuals are what I'm like more keyed in on. And the conversation is like the sound design is such the thing mm-hmm. that it's really remarkable for that. Yeah. Um, That's my favorite Coppola. Yeah, it, it's probably my favorite Coppola. Yeah. Apocalypse Now is really special in my heart, but man, the conversation. Yeah, it's no the conversation. Yeah. Martin Sheen simply is not Gene Hackman. I really like Martin Sheen, but Gene Hackman. Mm. Now, (laughs) Dracula's in here. Dracula's in the running. You know I love Dracula. (laughs) Very different vibes. (laughs) Like, the better movie is the conversation. Uh But movie that's more special to me, Uh Dracula. You're allowed. I think I'd just pick Apocalypse Now. I'm boring in this way. I think Apocalypse Now is fucking good. It's fucking good. It's fucking good. <laughs> Though both of your movies, very good. I haven't seen that many uh, Coppola's, but all of these are good fucking movies. I, I'm i not like that well watched on Coppola, but I've seen the ones you need to see. Like I've seen The Godfathers. Um, I've seen The Conversation, Apocalypse Now, and then Dracula. You know, like the, the stuff that's like, 
known culturally. Yeah, if you look at the the top six on Letterboxd, right? It's yeah, those ones. Have you seen The Outsiders? I have not. I have also not. I'd like to see one from the heart one of these days. I bet that movie's fine. Yeah. I bet that movie does not deserve the rap it gets. Um, anyway, M, what's your next movie? <laughs> uh, my next movie is uh, Del Valle du Hali a which is the 1995 uh, Indian musical we watched on Rupture Screenings over the summer. Uh, oh, right. It's fucking good. Um, it's just a great story about two idiots, uh, who fall in love. Um, she's from like a really conservative family and is really sheltered. He's got a layabout dad and has been like, basically like drinking his way through college. They're both like first generation immigrants in Britain, but they both end up in India. It's like about, about both of them, like rediscovering the place they came from. It's really good. It's really funny. Um, the music slaps. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I've always been meaning to like bring a Bollywood movie on here. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Um, <laughs> one of our friends rightly rightfully pointed out, "Hey, at some point you should take a break from covering the whitest director in human history." <laughs> and so I was definitely like, I was thinking about like, okay, we could do like some Bollywood stuff. We could do some this and that. I was literally thinking through this yesterday of like, yeah, we. we I want to really... do a bunch of films from Med Hondo. <laughs> Because yeah. all the stuff I've seen from his from him is fantastic. So okay, um, that would be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was thinking about this yesterday because we do we do be covering the whitest guy in human history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we have been talking about our next possible project being more spread out, but doing all of Kurosawa. Uh huh. Um, so. We, we can mix that up a little bit and not just do, not just go from the whitest guy to Japanese movie or other bad, bread and butter. <laughs> Don't mind us. We're just watching 60 black and white Japanese movies that are really fucking boring. <laughs> just staying in our lane. <laughs> anyway, uh, next movie on my list is Hiroshima Mon Amour. Um, I just, um, I was really taken with this movie. I was really taken with just like, the style of it, um, and like, you know, watching that movie very like, you know, no thoughts, head empty, just sort of taking in like the the mood, the atmosphere, the images, the sounds. Um, I was just so impressed with all the things that Renee uh, is able to do with that movie just on that level. Um, and then like. You know, talking to, to you a little bit about it, Emma. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, oh. I was like, I was like, I'm ready to talk about themes. No one else I know has seen this, and you were just like, I just thought it was really pretty. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> no, but like you were talking, and I was like, that's really smart. And now I like, I, I already want to rewatch the movie. You know, having like a slightly different like view on it. You know, mm-hmm. of like, oh, that you you just said a lot of things that I'm like, okay, next I want to watch that movie again in January and like be sort of tuned into what you were talking about so that I could actually have a conversation with you about it because I was extremely just, this is one of the prettiest movies ever fucking made. Yeah, yeah, I was just like obsessed with the way it juxtaposes. I fell in love with a Nazi with my entire family was nuked, like literally nuked um, uh-huh. as the ways in which Japan is allowed to like find sympathy in the West. It's just really good. There's like a lot of crunchy shit there. Yeah. I, um, 
I, it was on my mind again yesterday too because I watched um, this documentary called The Atomic Cafe, um, which is like um, <clears throat> a documentary that came out in the '80s that is comprised entirely of like archival footage of like U.S. propaganda about the nuke, basically. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of connections that you can draw between the ways that like Americans propagandize to themselves the nuke, and then like this movie. Uh, how this French lady is like me falling in love with a Nazi is just exactly like <laughs> getting new. Um, yeah. What's your next pick? Um, my next pick is Chan is missing. Oh right, um, I really want to watch this. Yeah, it was really good. Thought it was <clears throat> exceptional. Um, it's fantastic for like the way that it is intentionally pulling from noir stuff, but then using it to kind of try and talk about its own things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's like finding a certain kinship of like noir often being um, like noir often is a detective story, but where at the end of the mystery, there isn't like necessarily complete closure because it's still about like disaffected people after a war who have lost like clear senses of morals or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's like taking some of that, that weird ambiguity that exists in noir around a mystery Mm -hmm. to like talk about its own things about like the, the inherent, uh, impossibility of trying to like nail down a very specific, like Chinese immigrant experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and that there's like this huge disparate range of experiences and opinions and everything. Um, yeah, it was a great movie. Yeah. Uh, my next one is Last Year at Marienbad, which... Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the follow-up to Hiroshima Mon Amour, um, where uh, Renee makes a movie that is about the experience of kind of drifting off in the middle of a noir film, um, but that's just the movie. Um, (laughs) of just layers of things that might have happened and people talking around stuff that never gets exculpated, exculpated and a bunch of like long shots of hallways and beautiful spaces. And it's all very abstract and extremely aggressively French. Um, I just love it. We did a a lot of these in the mid like of the years, right? Price screenings movies because I wasn't watching movies Um, that blows up a little bit here. But um we just kind of pick bangers. That's the thing about having movie podcasts. You know how it is. If you just pick good movies, all the best movies are the ones you watch for the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd really like to watch. I'd really like to watch last year at Marienbad because, um, the stuff that I found most interesting about Hiroshima Monomore is sort of the, like playing around with like memory and like what's real and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, Hiroshima Mon Amour is a is a movie that has answers for like what is real and what is not, you know. Yes. Um I'd like to see I'd like to see Renee just like totally abandon that premise, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> um My next pick is Hanabi. Um I just really fucking like Hanabi. I simply like the sad Japanese movies. <laughs> yeah. Um it's it's probably my favorite Kitano I've seen. Um, and you have now made me see a lot of Kitano. (laughs) We haven't watched that much Kitano. We've watched, like, five Kitano movies, which is- Have we? I feel like we've watched three. We've watched Sonatine, Hanabi, um, Boiling Point, um, I feel like I'm missing one. 
There's got to be another one that we've watched. Whatever. Hanavi's really like fucking good. Those three. Hanavi's really fucking good. That's the important part. Yeah. Is that like <clears throat> the ways in which Sonatine just like hit you where you live? I felt like Hanabi hit me. Like Hanabi just felt like closer to how I experienced depression <laughs> than <laughs> and Sonatine where... felt like like closer to how you experienced depression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, not something I could explain unless you've seen both movies and know both of us really well, you know? I, yeah. I have not seen these movies since uh, the mid-aughts. Uh, I remember liking Hanabi more, but I couldn't tell you any reason why. Um, It's because you're right and have good taste. Mm, I mean, I, I remember mean, liking both movies. Uh, the only other Katana <laughs> I've seen is his Atsuichi remake, which is fine, but uh, unremarkable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like both of them a lot. Yeah, obviously, like I, I'm, I'm being rude here. Sonatine is like, if I was gonna make a list of like my top ten movies ever, like Sonatine would be on the list, maybe. You know, like yeah. But then Hanabi would be above it. Well, then I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want both, so I'd probably have to make a choice. But you know, yeah. Um, I just think there's something for me deeply relatable about being extremely depressed, but you're still just like joylessly doing your job. For, for <laughs> me, just so much as Sonatine. And then, like, finding this weird space on the beach briefly. I guess the thing for me about Hanabi is just, like, I, I'm extremely depressed, but, like, I'm trying to put on a good face for everybody else around me um, who's also depressed. Um, just just hit, hit where I live, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Sonatine is gayer. That's true. That's true. I do like that about it. I'm a heterosexual at heart. Yeah. What's your next? You do like straight romances more. I do. Um, (laughs) Most of my list is straight romances. uh, Mine is Carol. Which, oh, Oh, that movie fucks. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It also literally fucks. Yes. (laughs) Yes. No, it's appropriate descriptor. That movie's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the movie was fantastic. I love how like completely uninterested in it, uh, uninterested it is in, in like any portrayal of reality. Um, it's like just all about like the camp and the theatrics and everything. Uh, I love how l- literally every single person in the movie is just a Tom of Finland uh, yes. drawing. <laughs> yes. Um, I love how me describing this movie is how you learned about Tom of Finland, Otto. Oh, really? Oh, true? my God. Yeah. You're so young. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. I did not know that name, but then you showed me some okay. of his, his work, and I was like, oh, yeah. that guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen I've seen his work. <laughs> um, yeah, no, fantastic movie. Um, a lot of Fassbender that I I watched was, like, back in high school, so I, I want to revisit a lot of it. I'd th- I'd really like to um watch Ali Fear Eats the Soul soon um because that's on the sight and sound list and I'm like I want to start chipping away at that so um and I'm like well I want to want I haven't seen any Fassbender I'd like to do that and I can you know get a new get a little New Year's resolution checkbox done you know yeah um so we should try to find time for that sometime soon yeah M. Uh, my next film is Viridiana, the Boonwell movie from 1961. Again, uh, repertory screenings on it. Um, Boonwell might be my favorite guy to do movies about religion and people who believe in God. Um, 
because he has, I would not say a nihilistic take, but a kind of ambivalent take on the role it plays in people's lives. Um, this is a movie about a, a very pious girl who gets uh, summoned to her dying uncle's estate. And uh, he thinks he looks like his dead wife or she looks like his dead wife and tries to have sex with her and then can't do it and then dies. And she inherits the estate and then decides to turn into like a charity mansion for all of the homeless people. But they all react very strongly to her charity. It's really good. Um, it's just like he's just got like an energy that's like it's like mm. there's a reason why at the time his movies are banned. I don't actually think they're that like critical. I just think they're very like focused on the passions that go both ways when it comes to like religion and people who've been burned by it. Um, and I just always dig them. I haven't seen like all of his movies, but everyone I've seen, I've, I've really loved. Um, it's good. I, it Buñuel is like one of my weird gaps. I feel like I've just like, I feel like no, <clears throat> I didn't back when I was hanging out in film circles, people I knew were not into his movies. And so I did not get into his movies. But every time I hear people describe them, I'm like, that sounds that sounds up my alley. That sounds like something I'd really enjoy. Yeah, you I've know? seen I've seen uh, Unchained Nadalu, obviously, and uh, Belle du Jour and Exterminating Angel and Simone of the Desert. And I love all of them. They're all good. Oh, I, I've seen Exterminating an Angel. That one's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Um, it's been a while, so I don't really remember anything about it, but I remember really liking it. So, mm. um, I guess it's me next. I should unlock my phone here. Um, deep cover, right? Um, I've talked about this. All right. The so month where you just talked about deep podcast. cover all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the time where you solo went longer about deep cover than whatever the main movie was, I think. <laughs> Was that also when we did Kagemusha? Maybe we did go longer about Kagemusha. Yeah, we did Kagemusha, and then I just sat here for 20 minutes and described everything that happens in Deep Cover, because I think that movie is amazing. Yeah. I just really like Deep Cover. I don't need to talk about it on this podcast again. I just think it's really good. Um, That's, that's my Deep Cover minute. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I thought about things I wanted to say. I'm restraining myself. We've done an episode on it, and there was the time Kozintsev that... Hamlet. The Kozintsev Hamlet. That's my number eight. I'm just cutting you off here. Thank you. Um, this is really good. This is I a... still haven't gone and watched his other... It's like King Lear or whatever. This is Russian but, Hamlet, yes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, it was very beautifully shot. It's like... Just what you want from a, a black and white dramatic, like, uh, we built a fucking castle to do Shakespeare in <laughs> movie. <laughs> um, I also thought it was exceptional to, to watch because I, I feel like sometimes um, I will watch, like, foreign adaptations of Shakespeare stuff and obviously the the language isn't coming through and so it like really changes what it is that they focus on um and this felt like it still like maintained this uh like desire to do all of the like performance of it Mm -hmm. um in a way where watching it and then having the subtitles that are just you reading lines from the script Mm um still like the way that they are reading the lines and then like reading the, the English Shakespeare 
uh, as subtitles still like hit all the the points of just watching like a, an English production. So hmm. um, I feel like it was surprisingly good at like preserving some of the the quality of the language in a weird way. So it was great. I really want to check it out. It sounds really cool. Yeah. Uh, M. Uh, my next film is Rian Johnson's Knives Out from 2019. Uh, oh, fuck which, yeah. which I watched for Blockbusters, which is a uh, premium show uh, on my uh, Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash normal mapping. Five dollars a month. We watch a Hollywood movie and talk about how uh, script writers and directors all have insane ideologies. Um, <laughs> this one, however, despite Jackson pitching it is we got to talk about how online Rian is. I just don't. I mean, I, I see it, but I just don't care. Uh, Knives Out is a movie about in the classic Hollywood mode of a bunch of actors playing outsized personalities, bouncing off each other. Um, the mystery is stupid. The twists are insipid. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's just like, it's, it's clue. You, you run, you watch people run around and backstab and say goofy things and you, you dig it. Cause it's fun and funny. Yeah. Um, I love Benoit Blanc. Uh, Glass Onion is pretty good, but I like Knives Out more. Um, I think the house is beautiful in a way that like the, the stupid island in Glass Onion is not. Um, I would I, who, the people, the set dressers Rian gets for these movies must. They have the best job in the world. They just go nuts <laughs> on the environments <laughs> these movies takes place in. They're so beautiful. Um, and uh, it has more Benoit Blanc. That's really all it is, man. That That's that's a guy. That's one of the guys. <laughs> yeah. For just having like one shitty family like in a house just like hit better to me than having like a, a variety of sh- shitty influencers like all on an island. I think the thing in Knives Out, the, the, the literally other than like it's got more Benoit Blanc in it, right? It's the yeah. gag of him calling Marta and the phone, her broken ass busted Android phone going possibly be Blanc as he keeps calling her. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really good. There's just more fun twists too, I, I think, in the original. Mm-hmm. The Glass Onion's less <clears throat> twist heavy. Yeah. I, I. That's the thing is, I would really like to rewatch Knives Out because I haven't seen it since it was new and I'm like, I, I, it's now been far enough that I'm like, I remember like the, the structure of like there's a twist here and there's a twist here and I remember where it ends up but I absolutely don't remember the journey which is like what matters in these things yeah, yeah. so I I, I kind of want to revisit it before I watch Glass Onion I remember a conversation I had in 2019 with a coworker who was like I don't know Knives Out looks okay but it kind of just looks like a remake of Clue and that's one of my favorite movies I don't want to just watch that again and I'm like are you listening to yourself right now? <laughs> The world needs more clues. It's more clue. <laughs> um, Are you crazy? <laughs> um, my next pick is The Adventures of Robin Hood. Um, oh, like the, is, the third, the thirties one. Yeah, the Errol yeah. Flynn one. Yeah, that's a good movie. Truly, like, I don't know how this happened. Nora was just like, I kind of want to watch a Robin Hood movie. And, and I, I don't know, like, what thought process brought her to this, but I was like, I guess we can watch that. I bet that'll be fine. We'll probably get bored, like, 20 minutes in and turn it off, but sure. Genuinely, like, some of the most fun I've ever had watching a movie is is 30s Robin Hood. Just, like, 
these like 40 dudes hanging out in the woods, laughing, drinking beer, and sometimes killing people. Like, what else yeah. do you want from a movie? Uh, talking about movies where <laughs> the stunts are really low stakes, but you know somebody almost died every time. <laughs> this is why I gotta get you to watch the Buster Keaton. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, they do horse stunts in, in that Robin Hood, and it's like... Man, some of the stunts Keaton does. Errol Flynn, like, jumps from the top of a building to a horseback, and I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just just one of the most fun movies. Also, it, it paid dividends, because then, like, two months later, I watched the Robin Hood episode of TNG, and I was like, this is one of the best episodes of TNG, and I went online, and everybody is like, this is so stupid. I hate this episode. All those people are wrong. <laughs> um, Nia, what's your next movie? Uh, my next movie is The Happiness of the Katakuris. Fuck oh, yeah! Fucking... One of my favorite films yeah. of all time. <laughs> Movie's really fucking good. I thought you'd seen that before. No. Huh. Yeah. <clears throat> I specifically tried to watch it for the Dead or Alive episode. Mm. So that I don't think that lined up at all. Yeah, <laughs> no. like some mistake happened. You ended up watching it like the next week, I think. Yeah, I was like trying to get it in to to then be able to talk to M about it on the podcast because I hadn't seen it before and I knew that M liked it and then it didn't line up. But <laughs> um, it's fucking good. It's it's like campy in all the right ways. Um, the music in it's great. Um. Really, like, a number of musicals that I watch that are, I think, just proof that, like, my main beef with musicals is I just don't like the, like, Broadway show tune, show tune style music. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Bollywood musicals are great. Mm-hmm. I have no issue with, like, the, the tropes of it. Um, it's just specifically that style of music that sometimes you get Judy Garland singing it and it, like, works finally, but, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's so funny too how uh there's like animation used for the special effects, but it's just all claymation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> incredible. Um, uh, my next film is Saturday Night Fever, the uh, John Badham dancing classic, um, that everyone's heard of and nobody watches. Uh, we watched it for blockbusters, and it just really surprised me with it's like post Rocky, much more like ambivalent rumination on masculinity in America and changing social structures of what that looks like. Uh, I think it's really good. Uh, people should watch it. I have a whole episode talking, like digging into that stuff. Cause I think there's a lot there. Um, I really liked that episode of blockbusters. I thought it was really good. Um, yeah. I I'm kind of surprised that you haven't watched this, but I think sometimes I have like, uh, opinions about just things that people must have watched that I think are informed by the fact that one, I'm like in my thirties and have watched a number of movies, but also that I was the youngest of five mm-hmm. and we watched a lot of movies. Yeah. And that just means that like my parents were old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the stuff that they were like, Oh, we got to show you. This is like Saturday night fever. Yeah, not only not only am I the oldest child, but neither of my parents were particularly movie people. My mom liked bad horror movies, and my dad liked a bunch of war movies that I never bothered watching one of, or westerns or whatever. Yeah, I was so disappointed. I went 
uh, home for the holidays. And like, my parents just don't watch movies anymore. It's just fucked up. Cause that's like my positive memories of childhood is watching movies as a family. Mm-hmm. But I guess it was specifically to entertain five children for cheap. Was yeah. go to blockbusters, <laughs> And then they just stopped doing it. So, um, yeah. Um, next on my list, um, speaking of some of M's favorites, Fucking Close Encounters of the Third Kind, dude. Yo! so good. <laughs> I'm staying winning this tonight. <laughs> I think just, I, th- I genuinely think that might be Spielberg's best movie. He never would make it uh, at like three years after that. He'd never go back to it. Um, sorry, I'm just stepping on your bit. I'm just like, the no, man abandons his no. children. He's right to. It's like transformative. <laughs> I would fucking leave everybody I know in a second. If the aliens were like, you want to go? Yes. I don't care. If I die, don't matter. I'm going with aliens. <laughs> I um I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is like too special in my heart for like for me to say that I like Close Encounters better. Madness. But but like I, I Raiders isn't even the best Indiana Jones movie. I can't believe this shit. I, I think I think if I woke up today I'd never seen a Steven Spielberg movie. I was watching them all fresh. Close Encounters, obviously. Obviously it's the best movie he's ever made. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> Raiders is just because you liked it when you were a kid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Raiders is because I've, I've watched that movie so many fucking times, like, I, I don't even know. Like, I, I have no words to describe, like, what Raiders of the Lost Ark means to me. It's fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. I've seen yeah. that movie in cinema movie three times. Like... <laughs> but close it. Also, also, like, <clears throat> Spielberg... One of the, like, giants of, like, special effects work over the last 50 years, like, obviously, like, has made such huge contributions to, like, how special effects have changed over the last 50 years. He never gets better than Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's simply the best-looking movie he's done that I've seen. Like, the ways that the, the way the UFOs look in this movie is just so arresting and just so, like... They feel alien. They feel like they're from another world, which is not true of any other fucking alien movie ever. You know? Yeah. Um, man, Close Encounters is fucking good. Uh, you know, that Spielberg guy, uh, he gets a lot of credit for being one of the big, like, best living directors, but he is one of the best living directors. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really thinking about 2023. Like, I should just try to, like, Maybe not watch all of them in order, but fill in the gaps. Because no. I um I was current as of like when I was doing movies, my main thing in like 2013, and I'm catching up now because I watched Fablemans over Christmas and uh, I watched Bridge of Spies literally two days ago. That movie's fucking great. Um, <laughs> he just doesn't miss. I mean, look, there like yes, there's there's Lost Worlds. There's always always is fucking terrible. What a terrible fucking movie. You should watch mm-hmm. Always and talk about it <laughs> on, on, on this podcast. Um, <laughs> You know, Ready Player One is like third, like third or fourth on his like worst movies. He's made much worse movies than Ready Player One. Ready Player One's Ready bad because the book is like adapting fine. is bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the thing it represents culturally is like toxic, but it's like a relatively well-made movie given the source material. Um, right. But um, Spielberg, a Spielberg adventure is always a good time. Uh, great stuff. Yeah. It's weird because I've seen like. 20 of his movies, but that means that I still have like 30 more that I haven't seen. <laughs> it's not you know? quite that bad, but you do have quite a few, yeah. And and some of them are like, you've never seen Minority Report? What the fuck? What the fuck <laughs> is know? wrong with you? 
Exactly. <laughs> you need to watch AI. This is the big one. AI is AI is we like just arguably to, his best movie. For yeah, sure. we just need to sit down and watch AI sometime. The the thing is that this is like another like our friend group distortion field because Outside of the people on this call, no one is like, AI, that's the big Spielberg movie that you need to see. I think that's wrong. I think you're wrong about that. I think that's an opinion that is increasingly true, is that people just fucking like AI. And they're right, too, because it's really good. Um, Some fans also love AI. I'd like to see it. It sounds really fucking good. Yeah. Um, Go. What's your next movie? Uh, My next movie is The Hole by Tsai Meng Long. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. It was a good movie. It was an extremely fun musical. Yeah. Nothing um, happens. It's great. Yeah. Siming long movies. <laughs> <laughs> He's great at making feature-length short films. <laughs> <laughs> He's my favorite director for making feature-length short films. <laughs> um too bad I can't do my next one, which is a director who I think is great at doing uh Short film length feature films. <laughs> anyway, um, people can go listen to our the whole episode. Yeah, but it's, it's pretty recent yeah. still. So, um, I just adored it. Yeah, you can't convince me that like everybody in that movie was cis. Some you of those back up like the yeah. You simply cannot convince me. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> Uh, it was just too campy, and and some of the people who were the backup dancers just... <laughs> we shouldn't get ourselves in trouble. Em, what's your next movie? <laughs> um, so the next, all five of the rest of these movies definitely fall into the like recency bias zone, so Great mm-hmm. Assault and all that, but I've just gone extremely movie mode in the last month, and uh, I, and I've been, I've been like going for that sight and sound list, so I've just been hitting like genuine classics left and right um it's been disgusting honestly um and so uh excuse me if the the last third of my list is just like that but my first one is ingmar bergman's persona fuck yes um (laughs) you can tell that your list is not in actual ranking order or else this would probably be number one yeah let me look at let me look at my list again would that be number um yeah it probably would be it probably would be it mm, it might i if you if you put a gun to my head and made me rank them, this would be uh, fighting with Wicker Man for the top. I think Wicker Man's an incredible film. <laughs> I think it's like okay. genuinely one of the best yeah. movies. Okay. I was like, dang, I really need to see Wicker Man, and now I'm like, oh, that's how I'm like this. Okay. <laughs> I just it, sometimes a movie just surprises you. Persona, I guess, was surprising because uh, my relationship with Bergman's been very up and down. I'm slowly chipping away at his work because there's a lot of it, and I, I don't love it all the time. Um, and Persona is just such a good story about what it means to project all of your bullshit into another person. Um, you know, if you ask 10 people what they think persona is about, you're going to get 10 different answers. For me, it is about the ways in which we like to lose ourselves in another person, but all we are doing is making them be the container by which we examine our own problems. Um, because that's what I do. <laughs> that's the way I think of things. Um, <laughs> but the way in which that leads people to blur their, their lines of identity and become obsessed and, uh, meld into one being i think it's just really good and potent i thought it was fucking sick i loved it it's so good yeah i mean we're gonna do it on the podcast yeah we will simply i'm like itching to rewatch it like immediately but 
I had Fanny and Alexander on the mind because it's like a Christmas thing, but I'm yeah. like, I just have I haven't done it yet. I watched Fanny and Alexander on Christmas Day. Uh, that did not make the list, uh, but it's really good. I watched the theatrical version um, and enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, the big thing but is it's I no keep... fucking persona because <laughs> I think I've watched the theatrical version, but I don't think I've watched the full length. Yeah, I. I, I want to watch the full length. And so I keep being like, oh, I should watch that. But like, I don't have like five hours or whatever it is to sit yeah. down. We, we didn't have five holidays. hours. So we watched the theatrical. Apparently that came out first, even though it was produced after the fact. So I'm like, I'm not mad about it. And maybe next year we'll watch the full length one because I'd watch it again. Yeah. I, I'm remembering now that earlier in this podcast, I said, oh, I haven't really watched anything lately. I did watch a five hour movie this week. <laughs> I did do that. <laughs> Um, talk about it some other time. Yeah. Um, oh, it's me next. Shit. My, my next. next movie is Kagemusha. Um, it, it is simply the best Kurosawa movie I've seen. Certainly the best color Kurosawa movie I've seen. And there's not a lot of those. There's not a lot of them, but, uh, man, fucking I've Kagemusha. This. this is, um, we watched it really early this year. It is, um, uh, this guy is called in to be the like shadow of the emperor, right? He like uh-huh. he is he looks oh, like the you emperor. You mean Akage? Akage. <laughs> so he is supposed to like you know impersonate the emperor so that assassins will go after him instead of the emperor, basically. Uh-huh. But the emperor dies anyway, and so then all the emperor's advisors are like, "Well, we can't let the empire look weak." We're just going to have this guy pretend to be the emperor. Um, And so it's like alternately like. Oh, like Dave. Yeah, it's Dave. (laughs) (laughs) I was was waiting for you to land on this bit again. Yeah, it's Dave. It's like Dave. I don't know what this movie is that you're talking about. I I think this is like on Around the Long Fire or something. Yes, I I forgot. I was explaining this. I was like, shit, we've done this. Um, Dave I'm just is, sitting here like just waiting for it to hit Dave is a 1993 uh, comedy directed by Ivan Reitman uh, starring Kevin Klein in which he is a um, so the president uh, played by Kevin Klein has a heart attack or stroke um, and he's in a coma and they need a guy so they hire an impersonator to be the president Kevin Klein who's just a guy on the street and he ends up falling in love with the first lady played by Scorny Weaver um, as he's like navigating whatever the thing is. I haven't seen Cly- uh, Dave in like 20 years. So don't ask me what actually happens in it. But I do think <laughs> of it <laughs> when Musha comes up. The the big difference here is that in Kagemusha, um, they have to keep him away from all the women because all the women are like, like uh, every time he's around any of we like just the replicating emperor. Around the yeah. <laughs> this okay. is just the what? this is fully the conversation we had on around the long I'm fire. now half remembering the conversation from around the long fire. I'm like starting to remember like, oh I do remember Nia saying, okay. Well, yeah. How just... they would recognize that his dick's different. <laughs> yeah. What's your yeah. next fucking movie, Jackass? <laughs> <laughs> so my next movie is Grass Labyrinth by Terry Yamashuji. Um I love that man. I can't believe he made a, a short length feature film. Um <laughs> It is 41 minutes and more shit happens in that movie and it is more packed full of like ideas and concepts and like weird things happening than uh, some like three hour movies I've seen. Um, It's fantastic. Uh, It's not my favorite of his, but it's the other ones I've watched before. So, and I do, it's weird because sometimes I'm like, "Ah, people should just watch this one because it's, it's 41 minutes. Mm -hmm. So like, 
you you probably have time to watch a 41 minute movie uh but there's also a part of me that's like uh but you should watch like his longer ones first so that you like know what he's interested in because he's just gonna gesture so quickly at stuff sometimes um but no it was it was phenomenal uh Way, 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 way better than the second gig episode named after it, <laughs> uh, which is the one where um, she goes into the the shop of memories. Oh yeah, okay, absolutely. But uh, that episode does reference the image of a, a ball bouncing on the stairs, which is a thing that he remembers from his childhood. Um, but uh, similar to. The character herself, uh, I think the showrunners don't understand that movie, mm-hmm. so they just thought it would be a fun reference. <laughs> um, uh, my next movie is Ken Russell's The Lair of the White Worm. Oh, that movie's so good. <laughs> which is a story about uh, Peter Capaldi and Hugh Grant as foppish young men. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, Hugh Grant's like the like the guy who owns all the land, and Peter Capaldi's like a fucking like grad student who's trying to excavate Roman ruins. And he digs up a weird, mysterious skull. It turns out it's worshipped by uh, this lady who's like a, a snake vampire, and it turns into a, a delirious like pagan vampire story about um, sex and Christianity and uh, snakes and penises and. Uh, Grant swings a giant sword that's as big as he is, and there's a enormous snake puppet. It's fucking good. Um, Ken Russell just does not miss. That man is always going 100%. This is the movie that we tried to watch, but you were too high and it was too British. Yes. <laughs> Did we tell this story on the podcast? I think so. <laughs> we made it like two minutes in, and you're just like, it was, I couldn't stop laughing it was at the British accents. Yes. Where you just absolutely <laughs> couldn't handle it anymore. This when she was like, oh, me spotted dick. I mean, she does say all oh, me spotted dick and runs back in the house. It's really funny. Um, but also it is set up because you also get the coil of the, the white hose. That's like the snake. Yes. And then they're evoking dick. Yes. They're intentionally ad- in- evoking dick because it's about penises and snakes. I should try anyway. to watch that movie. Not high sometimes. Sometimes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think it would also be fun high, but. I just, I couldn't fucking breathe. It was too, the British accents were too funny. <laughs> I think um, it's leaning into it a little bit. It is leaning into it a little bit. It's, it, it is, it is a battle royale of British accents, like on purpose. I feel like it's really going for like the farce of just living in an island. So <laughs> blighted. Uh, great movie. Anyway. Next on my list uh, is The Adolescence of Utena. Um, I have not seen this, so please tread carefully. <laughs> I will. I will not say anything except that um, I think the ending of Utena, the show, mm-hmm. is fucking exceptional. Yeah, that's why I, I didn't watch the movie at the time. Yeah, I was and then like, I, and then it's been years, and I've never gotten around to it. So, I'd what, what the could show. the movie possibly add? What? Where could the movie go? the 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 ending of the show is perfect already, and like. My expectations were just absolutely blown out of the water. I was totally floored by all the things that that movie accomplishes. Um, I I I just think it's exceptional, um, and it it, it, it 
like if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to watch that movie, you got to watch the show first. You know, it's it's absolutely built yeah. on, you know, the other 39 episodes that doesn't it literally wouldn't make any sense to you if you haven't seen it. The show, yeah. uh, the what is part of what's so smart about the movie is that the show Utena itself is already a thing that is like deeply about repetition and like the the ways that repetition builds up like uh both like meaning and ritual and also how like small variations and changes gain meaning when you're like repeating things Mm -hmm. like the show itself is so deeply about repetition that then having something that is rehashing some of the same plot points Mm -hmm. but in sometimes drastically different ways is like becomes very meaningful and also in a way where the the new gundam series that it references it is writing a big check that it from what i've seen has not cashed at all (laughs) (laughs) and Um, then and then that one thing happens at the end and people will tell you it's bad it's good actually (laughs) no it's i will say nothing else because m hasn't seen it we shouldn't say anything else i just think that one thing is good actually (laughs) if people want to know what the one thing is they can read my letterboxd review for the movie yeah this might, this might be the one thing I know about the movie. I think it there's, probably is. There's, if you know only one thing about this movie, I guarantee you it's the bit about. Nia, yeah, can you mark this? <laughs> it's the bit about into a. Yeah, that's magical the only thing girl. I know about this movie. It's that's magical the only thing girl. I know about the movie. I've seen, I've seen this scene. It's fucking sick as hell. Yeah. Like, I, okay. It's like I always like every time I think about it, I'm like, man, I should fucking watch that movie. She turns into a fucking. Uh, <laughs> you know. You know how much it owns? It's Magical Girl. Also, the writer of uh, Utana went on to work on um, the this movie specifically. We're going to bleep all that. Yes. No, we'll selectively bleep. We'll, we'll, yes, we will, you should selectively It's Magical bleep. Girl bleep. Yes. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um. Oh, me. You. We're on number four. Uh-huh. Uh, Daughters of the Dust. Oh what man, this is this might be one of the best movies we watched for after screenings. I love. Yeah, it. no, it's incredible. Remind me what this is. Um, so it is. It's kind of hard to describe because it's like so. Let me see the poster. Yeah, I I remember you talking about it on stairwells, and it's just. I remember this poster now. Yeah. I remember you talking about it on stairwells. It's all coming back to me. Yeah, yeah. this is so, about this is about like a a, a extended family of Gullah people. Um returning to like the island like bayou where they they live um basically like to have one last celebration is like the family's clearly modernizing and splinting off it's it's really good yeah and part of what's exceptional about it is how completely uninterested it is in like linear like chronological storytelling but in a way that's just completely effortless um that so much of cinema does this and like has to be up its own ass about how it's like breaking the chronology and this movie just doesn't care and like just does it effortlessly it's incredible Mm -hmm. um because it's just it's working in a completely different way of telling stories where that kind of linearity is just not even important anyway Mm -hmm. um and so that's part of what makes it so fantastic um, there's like no need for the, the movie to like help situate you with when different events are happening because that's not what the story is at all. So, um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, my next film is Ali fear eats the soul. 
<laughs> um, which I watched literally like last week. Uh, it is a story about a uh, German, like kind of like she's not old, but she's like a middle aged cleaning lady who goes into this bar. Cause she it's raining and she hears the music and it's a bunch of Moroccan immigrants who are mostly like doing like labor. They're they're the replacement labor class for her generation, basically. Um, and everyone kind of teases her except this one guy named uh, Ali who uh, takes some pity on her and walks her home and she offers them coffee and they end up sleeping together because they both are clearly very lonely people. And ended up in this baffling, like, summer-winter relationship that uh, her family flips out about. And all of his friends are really uh, weird about thinking that she's using him. Um, and it's just good about the tensions of race and class. Uh, it's a real fucking bummer. <laughs> um, but I liked it a Fassbender. lot. Fassbender. Yeah. <laughs> um. I think Carell is the happiest movie by him I've seen, and that's not saying much. <laughs> um, you know, this one, the thing is, uh, there's a lot of like uncomfortable stuff here. Um, uh, I do think, like overall, this this movie is about like the ways in which we let love do us do re- do really stupid things that go against our better sense, and the beauty in that, even when sometimes it's really sad. Um, yeah, I would not say it was like a negative, like downer experience overall. But yeah, it is, like a sad movie. <laughs> His stuff is sad, but not like deeply depressing about humans or anything. Like, yes. Yeah. Not like when I watched the first 20 minutes of Showa the other day and just felt too depressed to go on. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, there's no saving Showa. It's you can't. Yeah. You can't. You there's can't no, uh, there's... <laughs> only Jerry Lewis could make the Holocaust funny. And that film's been locked away forever. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyway, <laughs> next movie on my list is Cure. We just oh, like yeah. the we just like the sad Japanese movies around yeah. here. I don't know what to tell you. Um, it's good. We all three did an episode on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, okay. Here's what I'll say about Cure that I didn't say on that episode was that I was making this list, and um. I was just browsing Criterion Channel and just kind of putting on, they have a lot of like random little odds and ends, like, oh, here's a 20-minute interview with this director, or here's a video essay from this person who, you know, this every frame of paint, every frame of painting type motherfucker, you know? Yeah. And so I put on one of these little video essays that they had about Cure, and I disagreed with it so, like, deep in my soul that I was like, Oh, I liked Cure even more than I thought I did. <laughs> I thought I, that was just like a a movie I enjoyed, and I just like hearing this person be wrong about Cure. I was just like, "Fuck you, fuck everyone you've ever known." <laughs> that that's my Cure thought. Is uh, yeah. that movie snuck up on me in some ways? It's a good movie though. Um, what's your next movie? Uh, I've been making some, like, last-minute adjustments to my ordering. Fuck you. Uh, so, Kagemusha. What's that? Kagemusha. What, what's that about? It's about the Shadow Warrior. Oh. So, have you seen the movie Dave? <laughs> oh, yeah! Is it like Dave? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like Dave. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> um, my next movie, uh, is Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, which is the uh, 1973 musical about uh, Judas. Um, 
really wishing he could be the guy to take Jesus's phone. Unfortunately, it's like 30 uh, CE and phones don't exist yet. <laughs> um, this is a really interesting musical because they, they, they got like, they got a permission and like money to film in, um, in Israel from the Israeli government is like a thing to like, you know, you, you tell people you filmed here and people can come film here and they'll come film or we'll get a film industry going. Um, and so they're just like standing on real ass ruins in the middle of the desert. Like all the sets are just built on the bones of the places that are described in the stories of the Bible. And it's, it's weird. It's wild. It, there's, there's just like a, an energy to it all because it's all really stripped down. Cause they just like the movie starts, the bus rolling in with like the, the, the actors and they pull the costumes and the, the props off the bus. And the movie still feels like that's true, even though I know that's probably not true. Um, but it just has such an energy to it. Um, yeah. And I'd, I'd watch like cats like two days before. And you want to talk about the, <laughs> the polar opposite energy wise of what a musical can be on film. Cats and Jesus Christ Superstar are as far as you can get from each other. Um, I was so surprised when I learned that you hadn't seen Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, I, I, I'd said uh, I was tweeting about cats and uh, I think Dio was like the only musical I fuck with is Jesus Christ Superstar. And I was like, I haven't seen it. And literally like six people yelled at me from different directions. <laughs> You'll you notice. like musicals. It's I one know. of the best ones ever set to film. You'll notice I've been silent during this segment because I do not want to get the, the squad bullying me into watching Jesus Christ Superstar. You haven't watched Jesus Christ Superstar? <laughs> it's Let's really talk. good. It's really good. Literally opens the Judas being like, why are you like this? You used to be cool. You used to have ideology. And now you're just like famous. And that fucking sucks. And what am I supposed to do about it? Um, I love that. It's so good. <laughs> um... Next on my list, um, Tetsuo, the Iron Man. Fuck yeah. It's one fucking Tetsuo. One of the best Tetsuo. movies ever made. Yeah, it's up, it's up there for sure. It's one of the best fucking movies ever made. <laughs> it's fucking Tetsuo, the Iron Man. Yeah. What do you want from me? <laughs> go watch it. Or um, Many caveats on telling people to go watch it because like, I know some people would be like too grossed out, but like, if you don't, if you like a gross movie. Oh, you mean cowards. Yeah. <laughs> start start the movie and uh the worst bit is the first like 2 minutes. Yeah, if you make it through the first 2 minutes, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. The rest of it's going to be much goofier. Um yeah. man. I mean, it is going to be in goofy and weird ways of like uh the woman growing a drill dick, but or does he gr- dr- grow the drill dick? No, because she pegs him with the drill yeah, dick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. She does. She pegs him with the drill dick. God, that movie's so good. <laughs> that movie's like about stuff, too. <laughs> yeah. But also, it's about growing a drill dick and pegging this guy. But, like, that's kind of what it's about, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is my turn. It's your turn. Uh, Getting a little bit ahead of the game on yours... Paris, Texas. Wait, Paris, Texas isn't on my list. I don't know what you mean. Um, I think of all the movies that I've watched this year, this is the one that like genuinely made me ball. Yeah, just like crying. Yeah. Um, it's a good fucking movie. It's a good fucking movie. It's pretty um, good. <laughs> it's also it's also like just at like the the pinnacle of like the whole show don't tell is just bullshit. Uh-huh. Cuz the best part of it is them telling you and not showing you. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
God, fucking Paris, Texas, dude. I mean, the, the secret is that if you get good actors and you let them act, you can do anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're really fucking good actors in this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, American accents and all. <laughs> <laughs> It's really funny that in his follow-up to Paris, Texas, he simply solves that by having every country, having every character just be from a different European country for no ostensible reason. (laughs) Until the end of the world is just like, here's all these Europeans. I don't know why. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) And what's your next movie? Um, My final movie, because this is 15, right? Yep. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Nia had an uh, honorable mention, so she'll have one more. But, right. Yeah. My final movie um, is another movie that everyone always yells at me for having not seen, which is Billy Wilder's Sunset Boulevard. Fuck uh, yes! <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, which is just one of the greatest movies ever made. Just obviously, I, there's a reason everyone yelled at me. And it's like, how haven't you seen this? This is everything you like out of movies. They were right. It's everything I like out of movies. <laughs> um. The thing, so I knew it was about, you know, uh, an old silent star and she lived in a decrepit house. I didn't know it was about her ensnaring the hackiest screenwriter in the world into her, like, web. And I didn't know it was about the part where he, like, knows it's happening but goes for it anyway because, like, even if that Hollywood is sad and a lie, it's still better than, like, showing up and doing a job. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think it's like really sharp about the ways in which everyone knows Hollywood is an evil machine that eats people. And that's how films are made, but you do it anyway because Mm -hmm. it's better than the alternative. You just buy the magic and you you're willing to pay the price. Um, And it's just really good. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Just, there's nothing to say. It's incredible film. I liked it a lot. Uh, Sometimes the classics are classics. (laughs) I think you and I, the music box is showing that in two weeks, and we were talking about going. I don't know. Yeah. Depends on, like, flu season and, you know, perennial COVID season that has never ended, etc. But we're, we're thinking about it. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, man. Fucking Sunset Boulevard. Uh, last movie on my list is Paris, Texas. That's not a surprise to anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking good. I I simply uh, watched this movie and became obsessed with it in a major way. <laughs> Almost as bad as I got obsessed with Deep Cover. A markedly less good movie, but still very good. Um, um, truly, it, it was one of... Because you, like, watched it, and then you rewatched it, and you, like, watched the... the director's what, commentary what happened and you were like we're doing it on stairwells like it was just like so instantly one of your favorite movies it, so what happened was i put it on one night and then i i couldn't sleep because i was having dreams about paris texas and so then i put it on again the next morning and then when i finished i put on the commentary yeah <laughs> And then you're like, and we're doing it on stairwells. I just became a mild psychopath. Don't worry about it. This is this is the thing you do. I, I, it's charming. It's a charm point. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do this, and then it got it got wrung out of me by time, and I have too many other things to do. Yeah, now sometimes I want to do that, and I'm like, oh, but I should watch another movie that I haven't seen before. Yes, yes. Nah. nah. Watching movies a second time is often better than the first time. This is That's my favorite. I know this is true, but I just have a hard time convincing myself to do it. 
that that's that's fucking fair. <laughs> um, am I up? Yeah. yeah, it better be good since the last one. Uh, the Mad Fox. I, I want to watch this. <laughs> it's it's really fucking good. Um, I the the way that it is like intentionally playing with uh like theater mm-hmm. as well. Um, the stuff that it like chooses to borrow from theater, I think, are are phenomenal. Um, the and it, in a way that uh, I don't know. I feel like there are stuff that ends with like revealing that everything was a stage, kind of. That this also sort of does, but that like feels far more hollow. Whereas this, like, for some reason, it just works. Um, also, the fact that so uh, the Mad Fox being the story about this uh, man who falls in love with a, a woman, um, and then when she dies, falls in love with her twin sister, um, but then she does not love him back. Uh, but then he ends up saving a fox and the fox takes on the, the visage of the woman it, and then he falls in love with the fox and the fox loves her or loves him back. Um, but then that's an entire sham because once it's revealed, like the fox is going to like leave because her, her whole, I got, I got to watch this movie and you got to watch quite often. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's a direct line from one of these well, things to and, the other. And this is very specifically based on like a, a much longer um like story that's been set to theater and stuff. And he like specifically excised like this three loves part and, mm. and focused in on it. Um but like so the, the the fox who transforms into the woman, um, you'll see like there's these animation parts of like actual foxes abounding, and it's like done just with like traditional animation stuff uh that's incredible to look at. And then you'll see them wearing the like the you know kitsune like fox mask um and then they will also change into like the human form and when he does the changes between like the the person in the mask to the human form he just uses what's used in the stage where it's like literally the person and they like have stuff so that the costume just gets like instantly pulled off of them and they're like in a new costume that's just incredible to see um so yeah uh and then also does like really smart things with um, in a way that you wouldn't be able to do a theater with we are doing this on film. And so we can actually have doubling where like two characters will be in a scene and stuff, even though they're all played by the same woman. Um, hmm. But the the visuals of it, too, are just incredible. Um, the like what he's doing with color in this is phenomenal. So I highly recommend it. Um, and I just. For for something that I just bought from an arrow sale because it sounded vaguely interesting because I like foxes, it like completely <laughs> bowled me over. So um I think that was also some of it is that I went into it having absolutely zero idea what this movie was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so like fully surprised me. Um sometimes it's fun to just really not know at all what something is gonna be and just watch it and like find out in the watching what the hell this even is that you put on Uh um yeah i think that was also part of what made it top of the list for me hell yeah um that's 90 minutes of podcast yeah i vote we wrap this shit up (laughs) yeah um i'm kind of tired i've had a, a weird long week yeah me too yeah um 
M, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can find me on coast at EM dash being. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at EM underscore being, uh, where I rate, where I, I do not write reviews, but I do rate everything I watch. Uh, and we're going through it. Um, <laughs> you can check out my podcast at normalmapping.com. Check out, check out repertory screenings, which is every two weeks. We're watching with Nail and I um, on Saturday, which will be out next week. It'll probably be out before this, I guess, actually. Wait, is this coming out this week? I don't actually know what your release is for this. This will be Tuesday. Yeah, this will be Okay, then I will beat you to the punch. Uh, okay. <laughs> that'll already be out, so please check that out. I don't know. Oh, I do know. We're doing You've Got Mail next, because uh, people in my Discord were like, you should actually make good on your promise to do You've Got Mail, because you keep saying it, and that movie rips. And I do think it rips, so we're going to do that You've is, Got Mail. It's a good fucking movie. Yeah. Um, that is... That is a classic of I've seen it on cable so many times that I don't know that I've ever seen it from start to finish. But I do. I have seen every part of that movie multiple times. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you want to support my podcast, you get patreon.com slash normal mapping. I have a podcast with Autumn, uh, which are we recording on Friday? <laughs> We've not yeah. actually checked in. OK, I will have to watch those episodes, but I have Friday off. So that should be fine. And uh, his Silicon Soul. And what's the other one? Blind as a bat. Uh, blind as a bat, yeah. Um, and uh, me and Neve have Around the Long Fire, which is going to come back next uh, this week. We're recording on Wednesday, and it'll be out on Thursday. Um, I'm ready to get back into the fucking sagas. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm excited. We are, like, just getting into the, the meat of Loxyla Saga. Yeah. Um, so I was bummed that I just couldn't do it. Two it was fine. You know? but... Now I'm hungry for it. There's nothing better than yeah. just like, I'm ready to I'm fucking read those books and record. <laughs> yeah. Um, Where can people find you online? You want to find me at Fox Mom Nia on Twitter and co-host. Uh, if you go there, both of them, my, my pinned post has links to all of my podcasts. So that includes this one, Ghost Divers, uh, Pondering Putan, um, and... Around the long fire. Um, also, just a, a thing I'm having to do with my time is uh, yesterday I watched the first two episodes of Sea Destiny because I've committed myself to watching all of it for GGP. So yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be on the final episode. So <laughs> yeah, um, I like immediately had regrets. Uh, <laughs> believe me, I watched those two episodes and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> The thing is fucking kidding me. <laughs> the first episode, like there's some good stuff in that first episode, but when you see like his, his sister's dead and it's just like her, like full corpse with the hand and stuff. I still have like fresh in my memory, the turn a with just like the hand in the cockpit when, yeah. um, will game dies. Right. Yeah. yeah. And like, that is just so much more impactful than just like showing the corpse for like what um, they're trying to do. I feel like. Yeah, it's just the, it, the, it minute, just... the minute the minute you see Atherin, who's like the only the only main character who like has anything resembling a personality, and the first thing he says is Kigali, why didn't you wear a fucking dress? You're like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> um, nicest thing I've ever said about uh, Atherin is accidentally calling him honey because from the back he looks like Motoko Kusanagi. Oh, <laughs> they, they could, you know, uh, Makoto Kusanagi is also like a secret misogynist. So, you know, they could hang out. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me on co-host at autumnal. Um, on that page, I've got, uh, I've been writing like 
posts every week where I've got links to all the podcasts, all the free feeds, all the Patreon posts, all the social medias for the other co-hosts. Um, so all things that you want to find export audio related, you can find by going to either exportaud.io that takes you to the Patreon or cohost.org slash autumnal, which will probably just lead you back to the Patreon. <laughs> um, two things I want to say is that one, um, Nora has very expensive dental work going on right now. And so if you, mm. uh, I know it's the holidays. Uh, if you could spare us one buck or five, um, it would go a long way this month. <laughs> um, I thought of two other, one other thing I want to say. Two, um, we just released with Jackson of Abnormal Mapping um, the Export Audio Holiday Special. If you go to exportaudio slash export audio, you can listen to that. Every year, we get a different guest it's on. It's a to... nightmare. You, you're going to be impossible to record with in two years. Literally, at this point, Jackson's like, I can just sit back. You can just quote the thing. I don't care. <laughs> Every year, we do a commentary track for... Um, the Star Wars holiday special. And yeah, about five minutes in, Jackson is just like, you're talking about things I haven't seen yet because you've seen this four times now. <laughs> um, somebody on this podcast is going to have to be on for year five. Um, it's not me. She does I told not you, I'm not going to do it. it. Never, never going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um... I wonder what uh, weird any energy will come from because we're probably just going to all be in the same room. Yes, with you, one headphone splitter is going to be plugged into the other headphone splitter. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you're a fucking nightmare show. <laughs> it's gonna be stupid. Anyway, um, last thing I want to say is that. Um, if you go to exportaudio slash coffee, you can subscribe to, uh, coffee and comic books, um, which is a show where we do one free episode each month and one, um, $5 episode each month for all over on the Patreon. Um, and we just recorded our free episode for January. Um, and I think it's really fucking good. Um, we do like top 10 like comics we read in 2022 and my list is kind of boring but rick just brought like 10 things i'd never fucking heard of that sounds sick as hell so i i just think people should check that out because it's like rick is just an endless fount of like cool shit about comics to learn <laughs> so um and also we covered arguably the best book that we've covered so far um i was really blown away by jack kirby 2001 um so that will be out Probably a few days after this, or possibly a week after this, depending on... I gave myself a little more work to do with the editing of that show, and so... We'll see. But it'll be up in January. Early January. Yeah. I'm excited. For, it's not for that, but I'm excited for you to finish Akira, because uh, holy shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm chugging through Volume 4 right now. We're not going to cover it on... No. The podcast because Rick did the beach houses about those. Rick, Rick dragged us through it for like six months. Yes, <laughs> but um, I'm I'm in volume four of Akira right now, and there will probably be a check in on the next coffee and comic books about that. And uh, man, fucking Akira, dude. <laughs> yeah. oh, I gotta record that like tomorrow, don't I? Yeah, figure out. <laughs> no, it's the day after tomorrow. No, it's tomorrow. Whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm going to stop doing this on the air. <laughs> I had a moment while you were talking that I realized, because uh, I don't remember 
really what the last episode of Pondering Bhutan was because we recorded it like mm-hmm. well over a week ago. Because mm-hmm. um, we just recorded both of them back to back. It was like a week and a half ago, and it's been a very long week and a half. Um, and so I just now realized on the podcast that, uh, M, you were texting me about Garfield because I think it came up on that episode. It does, yes. <laughs> yeah. I was catching up on Putin this uh, this day. <laughs> well, I'm I am not caught up somehow, despite well, recording. You, you it. talk a bit about so. uh, reading Garf aloud and your opinions on Garfield, and uh, that you hate unironic Garfield posting and ironic Garfield posting from everyone in the world. And it was confusing to me because I remember thinking that reading Garf aloud was the most irony Garfield posting that anyone could ever do. But um, I think I get it more now. Now that we, I know who you yeah. are, what you're about. <laughs> I feel like it's extremely, you caught your kids smoking cigarettes and you make them smoke the entire pack. Um, <laughs> that's been my read on it. <laughs> but yeah, doing it to of. yourself. <laughs> um, I just like want people who are that way about Garfield to, to find it and then have to like confront Garfield in this forum where I'm just like really emphasizing all of the like weird arbitrary choices that are being made in the comic. Like the colors make no sense. Yeah. And every single time I just needed to like make sure that you knew exactly what color everything was. Um, Cause those are choices that go into making Garfield. I miss Garfield yeah. read aloud. The the thing is, I'm never going to top the episode where my dad just randomly started reading newspaper comics to me. And when he got to Garfield, I just started recording myself <laughs> while he read it and then asked him what color the wall and the table were. And it's like a brown wall and an orange table. It's like truly is the bullet in the head of Garfield. Like you can't do anything after that. Um, anyway. If people all have enjoyed this, they should listen to Around the Long Fire because we just bullshit at the end of every I, episode. I love Around the Long Fire because um, I I enjoy hanging out with the both of you, and I really enjoy Around the Long Fire because it's like I it's kind of like I get to hang out with the both of you, but I don't have to like speak or be perceived. So that's how I feel about stairwells. Except I send you six thousand words every episode when I have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> um. My favorite is when you wanted to react, but you were in the car, so you just started sending us voice messages. I do this to M constantly. Yeah, so. I yeah. get this a lot, actually. That was the episode with Mickey the Mouse. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay, so this happens a lot because there's a, there's a group chat I'm in where sometimes I'll go to work and then six hours later there will be people reacting to Twitter drama and I'll just be like getting on a voice message while I'm driving and just being like, this Twitter drama is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever it is I have to say. (laughs) I love it because it's always just like I'm contributing, but a voice message, which is the most high effort version of that possible. Um, (laughs) It's it's very, it's cute. It's cute even though I roll my eyes every time. I'm like, Autumn, please drive. Don't die. (laughs) There's a the thing is that um <clears throat> my new drive home from work has the like once I get out of the work parking lot it's fine it's a very short drive getting out mm-hmm. of the work parking lot is miserable especially cuz it's been the holidays and there's there is four exits to turn right 
but there's only one exit where you can turn left, and three different directions feed into that one left turn lane, and so... When I'm leaving you voice messages, I'm almost always sitting at that same fucking stop sign. <laughs> Fair enough. Also, there's like three rapid lights with like weird intersections by yes. where you work. Yes. Uh, I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I don't understand why anyone would go through the drive through there. I would just like. I, I simply would not go to this store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I simply would not shop at the place I work. It's a bad location. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, we're just on our bullshit now. Is this, is this episode over or are we going to Yes, it should be over because it's 11 o'clock and I have work in the morning. So Yeah. yeah. I mean, every, all of us have work, I assume. Uh, maybe Autumn doesn't. But... I have yeah, work. tomorrow's Thursday, so I don't have work. But... I shouldn't have work, but yeah. I was sick and I had to take my toddler to the yard. Well, let's get out of um, here. Okoro is real. Wait, wait. If you're okay. actually, if you're listening to this, um, well, one, give Expert Audio your fucking money. But if you want to give me some money, <laughs> I'm gonna make this plug. Uh, Friday, uh, last Friday, a big episode, our, our Voip Life New Year's Eve episode came out, and there's separate segments with both Neve and Autumn on them, and they're both individually really good. I think the whole episode's really good. It's like five hours long. Um, you get your bang for your buck on that one. And people should check it out. I'm I'm really insecure that everyone's going to hate it, except the people who are on it, because it is incredibly self indulgent to do. But I love it, so it was, I, it'll hurt my feelings if you want like it. Other other than the um, stairwells, repertory screenings crossover episode, it was the most fun I've had doing a podcast this year. So yeah, I, I that crossover was really fun. That crossover. That's that's just the best podcast i've done <laughs> um, it's, it's probably the best podcast i've done in a couple years i think i think there's like one i think there's i think me and austin talking about oh wait the mess team is probably my favorite podcast i've ever done but mm-hmm. that's that might be number two <laughs> i've been listening to a more civilized age recently and just mm-hmm. kind of getting mad about how sometimes austin can just pull out the best podcast in the fucking world <laughs> just like just like they do like four good episodes of Clone Wars in a row, and Austin is just like, I, <laughs> he's so good at this. <laughs> he's good at this. Um, yeah. I just I feel intense podcaster jealousy. That's all. <laughs> I um I'm I think that I've podcast Austin too much to feel that. Mm-hmm. I, he's just he's good at doing this one job. I aspire to be good in similar ways. I think I do it in a different way. Um. But I think I think everyone I podcast with mostly does all right. Um, yeah, I would not say I would not say there's leagues of difference between the kind of ways we think about podcasts and the kind of ways Austin Walker thinks about podcasts. That's why uh, when he he's been integrated into my very show so successfully, is we all kind of are on the same page and we've never had to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's just a certain type of person who's like built like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think a part of the thing with Austin is just he's done it so much. Yeah. And also, all of them are really long, so he has lots of hours doing this. <laughs> That's true. Um, uh, too many, too many hours doing it. Uh, more civilization goes on too long. I've uh, complained I... about this too often, <laughs> many times. Why do you make your podcast so damn long? Stop it. Rob Zachney <laughs> needs to be stopped. <laughs> Unlike us, we make normal like podcasts. You know, Definitely. the thing I is, never the thing long. is, I'm not friends with Rob Zachney, but I am friends with both of you. So. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Remember when I was like, oh, maybe we'll talk about his motorbiker island. Maybe we'll talk about the other movies we watched this week. That's not fucking happening. <laughs> Oka Koro is real. We, <laughs> no, we keep not. trying to it's end not. It's your, it's your business. <laughs>
It's eerie business. <laughs> I don't even like that movie. <laughs> no, no, nobody does. 
I'm hitting stop on the recording. You technically said Okokoro is real, and then I said it. You so did. it's over.